Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of the About to Review podcast, here to amplify diverse voices in media. I'm your host, as always, that guy named John. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on your podcast platform of choice on whatever platform you're listening to this right now. You can also do that on Apple Podcasts as well. Follow the podcast on social media at About to Review on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Full links to the show notes can be on abouttoreview.com. And if you want to email the show, you can do that abouttoreview at gmail.com. On this week's episode, there is just one movie that I will be reviewing because it is a big one. One that we have been waiting for for a couple years now, and that is The Batman. Directed by Matt Reeves, starring Robert Pattinson, Zoe Kravitz, and a whole bunch of other folks. So that will be on this week's episode, but before we get to that, we will go to the original theme song created by Damien Randall of Ill-Mannered Media. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Okay, jumping right into it, as I mentioned, The Batman is directed by Matt Reeves, and Matt Reeves is most known for Cloverfield and also Dawn of the Planet of the Apes and War for the Planet of the Apes. He has been working on this for a long time. He also wrote this as well, along with Peter Craig. So this has been in the works for quite a while. Anytime you're doing a Batman movie or superhero movie of this type, it takes a long time and it is really hard to kind of keep things in check, to not release too many things, to not have spoilers out there. They did a really good job, all things considered, that there were not too many spoilers kind of leading into this, which especially in a longer production cycle, that can happen. And I have been excited about Robert Pattinson as Batman since he was first announced years ago. It was something that a lot of people, when they think of Robert Pattinson, they only think of Twilight. That is a huge disservice to Robert Pattinson and the work that he has done over the past few years. He is a very, very solid actor. So when he was cast in this, especially with Matt Reeves, I was like, okay. This is going to be a very different take than what we are used to, especially when he started giving interviews about it. And he said, I'm not really going to work out that much. I'm not going to beat up my body. I'm not going to go through all this crazy workout routine, all the crazy workout routines, which already ruffled some feathers with people. With me, I took that as, okay, he is going to be doing a more dramatic Batman that maybe is early into his career and does not need to be this Adonis, you know, with this huge six pack and everything like that. And I will say after watching this movie, those choices worked. You only see a couple like shirtless scenes with Bruce Wayne slash Batman. And he looks like a normal person. 
like a normal in shape person, which is fine <laughs> because very early on in this movie, we see, uh, we see Bruce writing in his journal that this is year two. And we hear, you know, this overlay of voice work, this voiceover where it talks about, oh, Batman has been in the city for two years. Young in his career, he looks fine. Even if he kept this exact shape, if they do more of these, which chances are good they might, he still looks fine. He is wearing armor. <laughs> if you are working at that much and you have all that visible muscle definition, okay, cool. But when you're putting so much stuff on top of that, it just, yeah, it puts the actors through through a lot. So I respect that choice, and, I, and I'm glad that he did that. Uh, so also, along with Robert Pattinson, like I mentioned, Zoe Kravitz as Selena Kyle slash Catwoman is the kind of typical anti-hero that we know Catwoman to be. But the main villain of the piece is Paul Dano as the Riddler. Now, this is a Riddler unlike most people are ever going to be used to seeing. They're used to the bright green and question marks and possibly Jim Carrey or even further back, possibly from like the live action show from the 60s. This is not that. This is a Riddler who is part Zodiac Killer, part Jigsaw from Saw. Like this is a very, very disturbed murderer. And I say that because like they, they do not really hold back with this. I say that, but um, actually, no, they do hold back on this because as much as they could have gone that jigsaw route of having him just eviscerate people or put them in these traps and it just be really gory and graphic, they did not do that. So actually, so I take that back. So they did scale it back a little bit, but you still got the message that this person is not to be messed with. This is a terrifying person. So definitely kudos to that. Uh, what is interesting, and this movie sold me in the first like 15 minutes. Uh, yeah, 15 to 30 minutes. Because <laughs> Robert Pattinson, as Bruce Wayne, or as Batman, I should say. We don't see Bruce Wayne for a bit. But as Batman... He does more detective work in the first 30 minutes of this movie than in all of the other Batman movies combined. In this, he is a true detective. He is looking at the crime scene. He is analyzing the crime scene. And the other thing that sold me in that first act is that the way Robert Pattinson moves and the choices he makes as Batman... Because initially, like, we see a fight scene pretty early on, which is fine. But then he goes to a crime scene, and you see him be a detective. I, when I tell you that Robert Pattinson has just this slow, methodical, intentional way of moving as Batman, it was so unnerving and yet captivating that I just could not stop watching that. So when they are in this crime scene, and in other parts of the movies you see it as well, he, he makes a consistent choice. But when you first see it in this crime scene, and he is just taking his time and just slowly walking behind people, and you see everybody around him already get nervous, and 
They also do not want him there because this is a police crime scene. There are cops everywhere. But he just has this presence about him. And he is not this huge, menacing presence. But he has those subtle movements where it is just he walks so slow and he is analyzing and observing everything. And doing that without gadgets, without kind of breaking that suspension of disbelief, you get the sense that this is a grounded detective. This is somebody who really wants to analyze things and study them. And he is not using, you know, like to use the Arkham City games, if people are familiar with those video games, he is not using detective vision or he is not using other tools. He merely is just looking at the situation, looking where the body is, looking where the blood spray is, looking where a weapon would be. And you just see his brain just cranking and working. And I loved that. Like that was the first thing that I wrote down in my notes while watching, while at the screening. I was like, he is a detective. So incredible. Really, really good choice. Uh, the other thing is like very early in this movie, we have a brief cameo of, of an actor who's like a random, you know, thug in this group. But it is Jay Lycurgo who plays Tim Drake on the Titans show on HBO Max. When I saw that, I was like, are they really going to try and bring Tim Drake into this right now? He ends up just kind of like running off. It is a quick scene with that character. And that is all we see of him. But good for Jay. Because he plays Tim Drake, a.k.a. a version of a Robin on the Titans HBO show. Here he is in the Batman movie. So whoever his agent is, kudos. That was just that was a really cool thing to kind of see him in the background of this scene for, for a little bit. So, okay, moving on to the actual plot, which, of course, is a standard Batman-type plot. I say that as in... There is the big bad who is menacing Gotham and potentially killing people and doing all these bad things. Batman has to then go and stop him. So that is the setup. I'm not going to go too much more into that because, again, there are a lot of plot threads in this and very easily it goes into spoilery territory. But Paul Dano as the Riddler keeps capturing these people, these high profile people putting them in situations and is like, okay, Batman, here are the clues, figure it out. So he is a typical Riddler in that fashion, but yikes, is he a lot more violent in this. And again, the threads that they weave with this, they bring in stories from, or rather not stories, they bring in aspects of stories from the long Halloween, from Batman year one, from the new 52 things, and they take some creative license with this story and the way they do things because they pull from different aspects of the comic books and the comic book storylines. But that is okay. Like, that, that is okay that they pulled from everything. Why not pull from as much as you can? But one of the other people in this that we get introduced to early on, we get introduced to other villains who are not quite villains yet or maybe... But we get John Turturro as Carmine Falcone and Colin Farrell as Oswald Cobblepot, a.k.a. The, the Penguin. Those two absolutely crush it. They are so damn good. And Colin Farrell, I had to look up the hair and makeup person. 
uh, who, oh, now I need to pull it up again. You fool. Uh, it was Michael Marino. Marina? Marino. I think so. Michael Marino. Who did the prosthetic makeup for Colin Farrell as the Penguin. If he is not nominated, or rather if this film is not nominated for hair and makeup for the Oscars next year, that is a huge snub. Because what they were able to do with Colin Farrell to turn him into the Penguin in a very unique way and in a different way than we have seen the Penguin before was incredible. Absolutely loved that. And John Turturro as Carmine Falcone, who we have seen in various Batman movies, we have seen in various iterations. He is also incredible in this. And it brings me to a really, really strong point that I want to make with this film. This is a grounded Batman film. This is not flashy lights and superpowers and all these things. These are grounded villains. And that is something Batman always needs. He needs to have a bunch of people in his city who are regular bad guys. Not everybody is going to have a freeze ray. Not everybody is going to be a lizard monster, a.k.a. the croc. Not everybody is going to have venom coursing through their veins with Bane. He has regular drug lords, regular crime lords, and that is important. The scenes with John Turturro and Batman, which we only, you know, we, we see a little bit of, are amazing. Because John Turturro does not care who he is. He looks at Batman and recognizes this is just a person. This is just a guy. With everything that I have done in my life of crime up to this point, why do I need to fear this person? And I love that. Because, yeah, the regular henchmen and everything can be terrified of the Batman sneaking out of shadows breaking bones and all that, but the higher end drug lords and kingpins, they look at him and they're like, okay, you scare all of these guys, but not me. You scare my minions, but not me. I know what power is. So that blew my mind. John Turturro was so good at that. Jeffrey Wright as James, as yeah, James Gordon, who is Lieutenant Gordon. Obviously, this is very early in his career as well. James Gordon's career. Andy Serkis as Alfred Pennyworth. Zo going back to Zoe Kravitz, though, as Selena Kyle Catwoman. The way she moves, and again, similar to Robert Pattinson, the choices that she makes as Selena Kyle and as Catwoman were phenomenal. She moves the way that you see Catwoman move in the Arkham City games. She has this lithe, gymnastic quality to her movements in all of her movements. So not only was her physical performance great, Zoe Kravitz is also a great actress. Like, she is really solid in this role. My only complaint has nothing to do with her, but her wig choices. Going back to hair and makeup, oof, they made some, they took some swings with, with the wigs that they gave Zoe Kravitz. But I liked that her Selena Kyle was layered. We get a couple kind of winks and nods to other Catwoman type things in other media. Those were clever, but we see her struggle. We see her struggling with her own life, her friendships. And as her story keeps unraveling, it becomes more interesting. So I loved her performance as well. Uh, let me just, I mean, again, this, there, are, there are so many things that happen in this movie 
that I do not want to spoil, that I obviously am not going to spoil. But the orchestral score was great. Uh, that was by Michael Michael Giacchino, I think. My only issue with the score, so it is this like beautiful orchestral, just hauntingly melodic score that works perfectly with Batman. But as I'm watching it and I was taking my notes, Batman's theme in this movie, his recurring orchestral theme, is like three notes away from the Imperial March, which is Darth Vader's theme. And I could not unhear it because every time it would start up and I was like, okay, if they continue this progression, uh, oh, no, they went in a different direction. So when I was like, okay, that's weird. Watch the movie, finish my notes and everything. Doing my research for this film and I pull up Michael's IMDb page and he worked on Star Wars. Uh, yeah, he, he worked on Rogue One. I mean, again, like, I'm not going to like blame him for that, but it was just, it was a very interesting choice that that musical accompaniment for Batman's theme is so close to Darth Vader's. That was kind of the only part of the music that took me out of it, but everything else is just so good. Some high violins that really pull this tension so solid, solid choices there. Uh, all of the villains, like they stand on their own. Everyone in this film works. And I say that because like they all work within the framework of this Gotham that we are learning about. Nobody really stands out as too cartoonish. Nobody stands out as too different. It all kind of works. Uh, I will say that there were there was a scene towards the end of this movie that... And I'm not going to spoil it, but it was it was really hard to watch. Uh, it was really hard to watch. It reminded me of kind of the Vegas shootings from a few years ago or shooting from a few years ago. And it made me very, very uncomfortable. Like, I, I just did not feel good watching that particular scene. Granted, other things happen in that scene. But it was just like that initial kind of gut feeling was was a bit hard. Um, I loved the direction they went and kind of the orphan struggle. We get to see a type of Bruce Wayne that we have not seen before. And that was great. He did not have to, and I say he, Robert Pattinson, did not have to gruff up his voice, did not have to do any of that because this Bruce Wayne is so reclusive that there are not a bunch, he is not doing interviews. He is not this big philanthropist and playboy and dating all these women to maintain that image. He is a recluse. So his Batman voice sounds relatively normal because his Bruce Wayne voice does not need to be that distinguished, does not need to be that separate because not many people have been hearing Bruce Wayne talk. Carmen Falcone at one point even says when he sees Bruce Wayne, he was like, oh, the the uh, I think like the most reclusive person in Gotham other than me. Just something subtle like that. Really, really good choice. Now, this movie is not perfect. I say that because this is a three-hour movie that I feel like you could trim probably a solid 30 minutes from. And you could make it really tight and really put together. It did not need to be three hours. Now, during the movie, did it feel like three hours? Not all the time. It actually breezed by pretty quickly. 
But when this movie drags, it really drags. Uh, there is a cut. There are, I should say, a couple scenes with the new Batmobile, which are incredible. Give me more of that Batmobile, because essentially it is just a kind of jet-powered muscle car, and it was incredible. Really, really liked the Batmobile. And like I mentioned before, this is not a Batman who has a bunch of gadgets. We see his grappling gun, which I think this has to be the smallest version of the grappling gun we have ever seen. So that is really cool. Obviously, he has the Batmobile, the supercharged car. He rides his motorcycle a lot. And we see what is kind of like one of the silliest moments. We see him cut through some police tape and then he like clips the bat symbol back onto his bat suit. So essentially he has like a giant knife razor blade that is the bat symbol on his chest. And all we see him do that with is cut through some tape. It reminded me of like how Leonardo and Raphael and Ninja Turtles have deadly weapons. Like, yeah, okay, Donatello, Michelangelo, Michelangelo, they have bow staff and nunchucks. Leonardo has two katanas. Raphael has two sides. These are deadly weapons. And all you ever see them do is like cut through rope and maybe hit like an enemy with the backside of the blade or something. So it was just kind of weird. Like that was the one time we get to see him use that element of his costume and it was the dumbest reason. That was kind of silly. Uh, last thing, and I meant to say this more when I talked about his voice. The other thing that reminded me of was in Game of Thrones, Bruce Bolton, in the books at least, it talks about how his voice is so soft that everybody kind of stops what they're doing to listen to him because you kind of have to lean in to hear him speak. And he does that intentionally. That is very similar to what Pattinson does as Batman, where he has, just like with a physical presence, he has this like softer way of speaking and everybody else in the room, it forces you to pay attention. So that was really cool too. Uh, okay, I have talked about this movie long enough. Uh, so the rating system for this podcast, there are only three choices. No letter grades, no stars, none of that nonsense. There are only three choices. Good, bad, or ugly. Good film was something you would recommend to a friend. Bad film, eh, it was just kind of blah. And an ugly, avoid at all costs. Uh, I give The Batman a good. I really enjoyed this movie. Like I said, trim a little bit of the fat from it. Take about 30 minutes out of this film and it would be even tighter. But this movie is a grim, dark Batman. And it works. I, I, again, I like the low-level characters. I like the high-level mob bosses. I like the villain in this, even though, again, it kind of went into like a little bit of Saw territory. So, yeah, really liked this film. It is in theaters this weekend, and I think, I think they're doing that same-day streaming. I should have looked that up, but I did not, so I apologize. But uh, there we go. That was my review for The Batman. As always, make sure to subscribe, support, and follow the podcast on social media at About Review, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Send me an email at aboutreview at gmail.com if you have any questions or comments. As always, I have been your host, that guy named John. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time.
Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.